The Holy Gospel according to Mark, the eighth chapter. Jesus went on with his disciples to the villages of Caesarea Philippi. And on the way, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that I am? And they answered him, John the Baptist, and others, Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. He asked them, But who do you say that I am? Peter answered him, You are the Messiah. And he sternly ordered them not to tell anyone about him. Then he began to teach them that the Son of Man must undergo great suffering and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and after three days rise again. He said all this quite openly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, but turning and looking at his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are setting your mind not on divine things, but on human things. He called the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If any want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me, for those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit them to gain the whole world and forfeit their life? Indeed, what can they give in return for their life? Those who are ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of them the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Our ears ring with countless clamoring voices. Not only do voices assail us from TV and radio and computer, but also from crowded malls and busy restaurants, noisy classrooms, thundering stadiums, Add social media to this mix, and our lives become a cacophony of voices. The challenge is this. Which voices to listen to? Do we allow access to the ear and the mind and the heart? And whom do we filter out? It is a difficult task to tease apart which are worth listening to and which should be ignored. Indeed, this is challenging enough when discussing things like the news or current events, but it becomes particularly challenging when discussing one's self. Specifically, the question that Jesus asks in the Gospel reading for today, Who do people say that I am? I refuse to be that 40-something person who tries to use current slang. I have never been trendy. 
But my LCM students told me how they would sum up Jesus' question in today's gospel, and it sounds like this. What's the tea, sis? The rest of us would say something like, what's the scoop, or what's the skinny, or simply, what's the gossip? But in this particular case, the question Jesus asks is, what's the gossip about me? Well, Jesus lived 2,000 years ago and therefore was not susceptible to the bombardment of voices on social media like we are as a self-aware human being. He was not immune from wondering what other people thought of him and what they were saying. In this gospel, Jesus boldly asks the question we are all too afraid to ask, who do people say that I am? How am I spoken about when I am not around? What do people say about me when my name comes up? These questions hit directly at the heart of human vulnerability and insecurity. These questions fuel those voices inside our heads that challenge our sense of worth. Alas, even the most confident and poised person from time to time tosses and turns wondering, what are people saying about me? So, as Jesus is walking with his disciples to a village, he asks them, who do people say that I am? They reply with a variety of amusing, albeit inaccurate, responses. Some say this, others say that, but they're all wrong. He doesn't seem deterred or even remotely bothered by this, but then Jesus asks them, okay, but who do you say that I am? Peter answers, you are the Messiah. In four words, he nails it. Peter gets it. And Peter's answer matters to Jesus. We know this because only a few verses later they are arguing, which you only really do with people you care about. But what makes Peter's answer so different from what the crowds are saying? Why does he get it right and the crowds don't? Because Peter knows Jesus. He's his friend. He eats with him, sleeps beside him, walks with him. He listens to him preach, watches him heal people, witnesses him touch and love and give life to ones whom society has cast out. Peter struggles and argues and wrestles with what he sees and hears, and he is far from perfect. But if there's one thing he knows, it's who Jesus is, even if he denies it six short chapters later. But for now, at this moment in time, Peter gets it. And he confesses it all to Jesus. You are Messiah, the one who comes to save, but the one who must nonetheless die. And for that, I hate you because I don't understand any of this, but I also love you. Summed up in four short words, you are the Messiah. Jesus holds the opinion of the others at arm's length because they are not among his intimate and trusted twelve. Peter's answer, however, matters to Jesus because Jesus knows him and trusts him.
Jesus models something brilliant and beautiful today in regards to how to exist in a world that is filled with voices and opinions and answers. Jesus teaches us to trust the voices of those closest to us and to let go of the rest. This is a necessary survival skill for being a savvy Christian in a crazy world. You simply cannot listen to every single voice that weighs in on who you are, what they think about you, what they say about you. Friends, if you only knew how much I struggle with this as well, and so today I stand firmly with those in need of this very liberating gospel. If you listen to every single external voice that has an opinion on you, you will implode like a submerged submarine collapsing under immense pressure from the outside. On the other hand, if you only listen to voices from within, you explode from pressure built up from within as the ego bursts forth in unchecked power. But Jesus teaches us a very different way, a better way, a wise way. Find the voices you trust and listen to them. Let them help guide you as you navigate your way through life. In this reading, Jesus commends to us trusted and authentic, not perfect, community. I lived in Seattle, Washington for a year when I was completing my chaplaincy requirement for seminary. At this training in Seattle at a hospital, there were a variety of religious and spiritual traditions, including a Catholic, a Methodist, this sounds like the opening of a joke, doesn't it? A Catholic, a Methodist, a Wiccan, a pastor from the local Foursquare Church, a Quaker, and myself. So you can imagine the spirited discussions that ensued. I got to know the Quaker woman quite well. In fact, we were best friends during my time out there. Her name is Susanna. She and her boyfriend, Doug, at the time were considering getting married. She described to me a Quaker tradition called a listening circle, which was, in their case, an opportunity for their friends for, from their worshiping community to come together for an entire day with the sole purpose of helping them discern whether or not they should be married. The prayer circle looked exactly as it sounds. A circle of chairs, with two chairs side by side, right smack dab in the middle of it. She and Doug sat in the middle, and the community gathered around them. At first, they sat in total silence as the community pondered the two people, both as individuals and as a couple. This silence lasted over an hour, which apparently isn't unusual in listening circles. And then the friends began to speak, offering insight and perspective and how they experienced this couple. <clears throat> they offered prayer, they voiced concerns, they shared memories, they conveyed hope for the future, they offered blessings. When the listening circle finally ended, <clears throat> the couple and the community had participated in a very sacred and authentic experience with trusted voices engaging the question, who are we as a couple? She and Doug married, and they still live in Seattle and are raising two daughters. 
I came to trust and admire this community so much that now, even 21 years later, I will Facebook message Susanna when something is weighing on my heart, asking her for her silence, for her critique, for her prayer, and for her insight. Today we ponder the holiness of trusted human voice, the comfort that it can offer, the wisdom that it can convey, the inspiration it can invoke. Consider for a moment those voices in your lives, those trusted ones you turn to when you need an authentic voice. What voices do you listen to when confronted with a decision or are uncertain about a path to take? Who is your trusted circle, big or small, to whom you turn when you need to hear an authentic and maybe even difficult word of truth? We give God thanks for these voices in our lives, for their support in navigating difficult waters, for without them, we are adrift. Without the guidance of our trusted voices, we open ourselves to voices who do not deserve access to our inmost selves, voices who seek to accuse or wrongly determine our worth. Without these trusted voices, we open ourselves up to angry voices, which only make us angry. Without these trusted voices, we open up ourselves to racist voices, which make us racist. Without our trusted voices, we open ourselves up to misogynistic voices, which make of us misogynists. We see this contagion of negative voice all around, with leadership spewing vitriol at every opportunity, voices bellowing from TV and Twitter, cruelly telling grieving Midwestern farmers who are losing their farms that they would have lost them anyway, telling Texan ranchers that their land is now home for a wall that divides not only herds of cattle, but families and communities. Disregarding migrant children whose numbers are at an all-time high and are skyrocketing, who are living their childhoods in cities made of tents. We cannot be consumed by these angry voices. However, we must listen to them from time to time because they offend our sense of humanity. They motivate us to action and they embolden our sense of justice and empathy. But these voices must be tempered by gospel. By the word of Isaiah, a voice that sustains the weary with the word, or by the voice of the wisdom of Solomon, a voice of light and beauty, and endurance, or Peter's own voiced confession, identifying Jesus as Messiah. These are the voices that prevail, and we are mouthpieces of those sacred voices. We are now prophetic voices that call for things to change, for unjust laws to be repealed, for the immigrant not to be forgotten, for the hungry to be fed and the homeless housed. Jesus knows what it's like to have ears that ring with voices. He himself was the object of many voices throughout his life. 
prophetic voices announcing him as Lamb of God. Thundering voices from heaven proclaiming him to be God's Son. Jubilant voices from the crowd shouting Hosanna to the Son of David. But he also heard cynical voices ask him, just who do you think you are? And he heard suspicious voices accuse him of blasphemy. And he heard hateful voices demand his crucifixion. And he heard mocking voices on the cross and groaning voices of dying men on either side and sobbing voices of his mother and friends and his own voice screaming out his final breath. And then the voices were no more. Save for the earth lifting up her voice in heaving grief, in earthquake, and trembling and shadow. And then the earth was silent, and all the voices contained within it. That is, until the bewildered voices said, He's not here, and we don't know where he is. Until the jubilant voice said, He isn't here, he's risen from the dead. Until the triumphant voices sang together, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain for the sins of the world, who now sits at the right hand of God. Jesus, then, is not so troubled that the vast majority of people don't understand him. His friends know who he is, even in their imperfections. But most importantly, Jesus knows who he is, even though at times he doesn't always like it. And Jesus urges us to also know who we are, even though at times we might not always like it. To stand strong against our debilitating voices from within and the prevailing winds of inhumanity from without. And Jesus urges us to cherish our trusted friends in their gloriously imperfect authenticity and to lean on them as a guiding compass when we lose sight of who we are. Thus, strengthened and supported by our treasured, trusted voices, we then discover as we journey through life that fewer and fewer voices can harm us. That when the howling winds quiet and the hurricanes subside and the volcanoes belch their last belch, that there is a silence like the one Elijah encountered, where the still, small voice of God can be heard, which answers our tormenting question of who am I, with the only answer that matters, you are mine. Amen. <laughs>